Welcome everybody, welcome back to uh, Radio Free Biker, this here is Joe McDonough, your uh, host and a producer of the Radio Free Biker RB Hour. Anyways, uh, we got a good little show going on here for the month of March, uh, be uh, featuring um, Robbie Smart from the Patriot Guard Riders, and he's going to discuss to us um, the history of the motorcycle organization and what their missions are. Also, our Todd Chamberlain on Tool Talk, he's going to talk to us about belts and um, chain drives and what kind of maintenance to do with that. So, before I turn it over to the news, I just want to give a little shout out to um, a dear friend of mine who uh, just passed away. His name was Eddie Prez, or what we call Pies Ferguson. Uh, he passed away last week at the age of 77. And uh, he was the president of the Barbary Coast Motorcycle Club. So, Pies, if you're up there uh, in heaven, um, enjoy the ride. I'm sure you're out there riding the highways of heaven. So, with that, I'm going to turn it over to my lovely wife here, Marta Sanchez McDonough. And she'll do the news. Hello, welcome to Radio Free Biker News. San Diego. Marines of 3rd Recruit Training Battalion took part in their quarterly ride to Carlsbad, California, which was part of the battalion's motorcycle club ride. The purpose of the motorcycle club is to promote rider awareness, improve individual rider skills, and maintain camaraderie esprit de corps that will enhance the prestige of all motorcycle riders on and off Marine Corps installations. It lets you interact at a different level. You can share your experiences to new riders, said Sergeant Major Jimmy D. Ferris, Battalion Sergeant Major. This was our first ride and each unit should take time to get to know their Marines and this is a good way to do so. According to the Navy Safety Center, the popularity of sports bikes presented unique challenges. These bikes engineered for racing are extremely powerful and affordable. Prior to 2008, the only training available was geared towards standard motorcycle riders. The Navy and Marine Corps developed the military sports bike riders course. All riders are subject to proper riding gear and need to attend an initial training motorcycle rider safety course in order to ride. Unit commanders are in charge of structuring the club and assigning a club president like any other organization. Club members have duties and bylaws to abide by and are responsible to uphold the basic core values and mentor each other through their experiences. Ferris is one of the more experienced Marines, having more than 60,000 miles of riding behind him, whereas some of the riders in this battalion have just begun to ride motorcycles. You have to give them pointers. They teach you basics at the rider safety course, but there are also a lot more hazards on the road. We need to mentor so riders can enjoy their ride every day, said Ferris. Washington, D.C. Four U.S. Senators representing both the Democratic and Republican parties introduced new legislation that would prevent the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration from funding checkpoints that specifically target motorcyclists. The new bill, S-2078, would put a stop to the Motorcycle Law Enforcement Demonstration Program, which provides states federal funding for traffic che checkpoints that stop only motorcyclists. The checkpoints allow law enforcement to inspect motorcycles and state standards such as noise levels, tire conditions, and handlebar lengths. Senator Jean Shaheen, 
Democrat from New Hampshire, Hampshire who introduced S-2078, argues the practice is discriminatory, unfairly picking on motorcyclists who already have to meet the same registration and licensing laws as any other motorist. These checkpoints unfairly target motorcycle riders who already have their vehicles inspected and registered just like all motorists, says Shaheen. We don't have checkpoints that stop cars just to check their tire pressure, and we shouldn't for motorcyclists either. Co-sponsor Kelly Oyote, Republican from New Hampshire, echoes Shaheen's comments. Motorcyclists shouldn't be pulled over simply because they are driving a motorcycle and not a car, he says. It doesn't make sense to use federal money for discriminatory motorcycle-only checkpoints, and I'm pleased to see bipartisan support for the rights of motorcyclists. Co-sponsor U.S. Senator... Ron Johnson, Republican from Wisconsin, argues that the NHTSA-funded checkpoints violates riders' rights with freedoms. Wisconsin can boast of hundreds of thousands of responsible law-abiding motorcyclists riding on America's roads, said Johnson. To them, safety is as important as scenery, so I'm deeply concerned the establishment of these checkpoints' unconstitutionality violates their personal freedoms and rights. The program in question is one-size-fits-all approach, will not address the primary causes of motorcycle accidents, and should be stopped. Another co-sponsor, Joan Manchin, Democrat from West Virginia, argues the checkpoints are a waste of taxpayer funding that can have an adverse effect on states' economics. In West Virginia, biker travel attracts tourism and helps boost both our local and state ec economies. Manchin himself is a Harley rider. Some states hold motorcycle-only checkpoints during popular biker events, like the Florida for Daytona Bike Week, the Virginia Rolling Thunder Run, and Utah's World Superbike Championship Round. During the past two years, federal, state, and local governments spent more than half a million dollars on motorcycle-only checkpoints, said Wayne Allard, American Motorcycle Association Vice President for Government Relations. Colorado. Ten people who agents believed are connected to the Mongols gang were arrested early Tuesday morning in the Denver area. Agents served 110 federal arrest warrants in Colorado, California, Nevada, Oregon, Washington, Florida, and Ohio, according to the Associated Press. The Colorado investigation discovered that suspects violated federal gun and drug laws, according to the ATF and the Metro Gang Task Force. In other, in other states, members of the motorcycle gang are accused in a federal racketeering and indictment of murder and attempted murder. These types of, a, of investigations are part of the ATF's overall enforcement strategy to target the most violent offenders within our communities, said ATF Special Agent in Charge Richard Chase. Russia. The Night Wolves... The preeminent motorcycle club in Russia and the only motorcycle club that enjoys official state support began rolling into the Ukraine with the goal of helping to put down the revolution. The Night Wolves' maximum leader for life, Alexander the Surgeon Saldostanov, is famous for being hug buddies with Vladimir Putin. Last year, Putin considered himself their highest profile hangaround and gave Zaldostanov a medal for helping to restore a monument to Soviet war heroes during the Battle of Stalingrad. The surgeon sees himself as a Russian patriot and a defender of Russian's 
against incursions of banditos, hells angels, and Mongols. Saldastana flew to the Crimea and held an informal press conference. What's happening right now in Ukraine is a very big for me, he said. He called the revolution a humiliation of the Russian population. I want to understand what people here really need to protect them from these fascists. If needed to stay at the front, we, the night wolves, will be staying. A column, not a pack of night wolves, rode across the whole eastern part of the Ukraine. For me, it's only one country, the surgeon said. Whoever cut it was traitors. It's like you live in a flat and you decide to make the border between the kitchen and the bedroom. Then you must all the time come to the kitchen to make papers that you stamp, the visa, and it's time to stop this shit. Meanwhile, Dmitry Simichian, the president of the Sevastopol chapter, told Russian News that local people, police, were supporting the club. Thank you. This is this is the news for Radio Free Biker. Just a boy of eighteen years when he left home that day. His mom and dad sent letters to a country far away. After his tour, he came home, but he was never quite the same. In honor, he served his country without regret or shame. He flew the flag in his front yard with unwavering pride. And the sticker on his bumper boldly read Semper Fi. I could see about a hundred bikes as I recall that day. It must have looked like a parade of flags on the highway. I can still hear their engines roar echoing in the wind. The Patriot Guard riders, they came here to escort him. Alrighty, and uh, we're back here on Radio Free Biker here. Uh, today I have uh, the national president of the Patriot Guard riders, Robbie Smart. How you doing, Robbie? Doing well, thank you, Joe. Good, good. So, um... First off, uh, tell the audience, what is the Patriot Guard Riders, and, and uh, what how do they come about? Well, Patriot Guard Riders is an amalgamous group of uh, individuals. Uh, most of them ride motorcycles, but you don't have to ride. Uh, we, we, we came together to show respect for the fallen. Uh, most of us uh, uh, got started out of concern uh, at... Uh, uh, veteran funerals when there were some protesters that showed up uh, back in 2005. That's actually when we got started. And people uh, came together as a group, actually started out in uh, uh, Oklahoma. A group of American Legion riders got together, and uh, they, they went to a funeral, not to, not to be a counter-protest group, but just to stand tall and proud and, and let, uh, let the family and friends know of the, of the fallen that the, they respected the, the sacrifice, and, um, and they respected the individuals, and didn't want anybody to take away from that. Um, after that, uh, a certain protest group kind of continued, and, and 
picture guard rather than spun off. Okay, our mission kind of evolved a little bit. Uh, and that we, we don't go to a funeral unless invited by the family. And again, we're not a counter-protest group. If we're invited, uh, we keep what we say as a respectful distance from the from the funeral because, you know, we don't know a lot of folks. But if a protest group does show up, uh, we position our lines so that uh, family and friends see us. Um, and we hold American flags so that they see us and not them. We're invited guests so we can be on the property. The protesters can't, so we can be between them. If they get noisy, we crank the motorcycles. And uh, as a part of that, too, we do uh, escorts on the motorcycles for remains, uh, sometimes to the church and then from the church to the burial grounds, uh, uh, that type of thing. And, but again, you don't have to have a motorcycle. We have a lot of cages show up, and uh, sometimes it's good to have them uh, around to quickly help us fold up legs. And uh, uh, you don't have to be a veteran. Uh, there are no dues. Uh, all you have to have is respect for the fallen. And that's, I will add, too, that's not just veterans or KIAs. That's veterans, KIAs, and police, uh, uh, and fire, and emergency crews that uh, would happen to uh, perish in, in pursuit of their duties. Uh, it sounds interesting. Yeah, it, it sounds like the Patriot Guard had expanded a little bit since its founding um, in about nine years ago. Um, I guess. Well, I guess we all know that um, this uh, church uh, out of Kansas City. Um, we won't have to mention her name or give them any kind of a publicity, which is probably pretty much what they've been wanting to do this whole time. But, anyways. Um, if any good came out of these uh, these these folks in uh, Kansas City, is the fact that we have uh, the Patriot Guard riders that that um, came out of this, and um, also I guess you guys have gone. Initially, it was it was created as a, a buffer zone between the family of funerals and these uh, this protest group, the picketers, and since then I guess you guys have expanded for various things, homecomings and um, memorial services and everything else. Yeah, that's, that's great, Joe. We, uh, we, we did expand a little bit. We like to focus on that core mission. We do um, um, we call good missions or happy missions in there. As you mentioned, homecomings or in, in send-offs. Um, and, and there are three primary missions. And uh, From the national level, we don't try to dictate to any state what they do. In some of the states, they do get involved uh, in some other veterans' appreciation days or parades and so forth. But that's pretty much driven at the local level. They know, uh, you know, we don't want to tax our members too much with uh, having them to do something every day or every weekend. So we try to reserve our forces for the funerals and the and send-offs and the welcome homes. But if they have time, um, they do other things too, like I said, parades and so forth. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, I, uh, I, I bought a bike over the summer and um, got back into riding after being off the bike for a few years and um, pretty quickly I kind of got myself involved with the Northern California um, Patriot Guard so I've done a couple of these missions one was uh, a memorial service out somewhere out in the Central Valley or the foothills of the Sierras and then Another one during the holidays, it was a homecoming, um, coming in from SFO Airport. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty, really, really good. And um, so, now, a lot of people out there, they, they 
to the listening audience, they sit there and wonder, you know, if the Patriot Guard, if they're like consider a motorcycle club or a motorcycle or kind of organization. And um, unlike, you know, most MCs or anything, you guys don't have dues. It's it's very, you know, very open. And as you said, um, you don't even have to have a bike or anything like that. So I guess that differentiates from your uh, typical motorcycle clubs that we're familiar with as far as the Patriot Guard riders, right? That's correct. Uh, I'd like to emphasize we're not a motorcycle club. Um, in fact, we invite all club members to participate. Uh, we do so at the invitation of the family, and we coordinate with the police and funeral homes, so we do ask that you follow the direction of the, of the local ride captain if you participate in the mission, but uh, anybody's welcome. Uh, the only thing we would ask if you come to a mission, um, that if you have uh, an offensive patch, uh, if you would uh, you know, just kindly cover it up with duct tape, because we're there for respect. Right, um, I, yeah, I understand. That's all we ask. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I've uh, the the rides and the, the missions I've gone on. I mean, I've, it was a kind of a cross cross section of of different people. Um, everything from you know former or retired police officers to one um, percenter clubs, and I guess because, like you said, they didn't the four to one percenters or any anybody in MC they would they would wear the the Patriot card or, or have their colors down just so, you know, it doesn't get confused or mixed up that, you know, what, what yeah. the group really is. Yeah, we don't, we don't judge anybody. You know, we don't care if you're uh, a hawk or a dove or which political leanings are. We're there just, just purely for respect to show these families that, uh, that uh, we, the, the uh, Joe Smith American public understand and, 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 and we, we feel their sacrifice. We understand their sacrifice. We feel a lot of us are veterans. Some of us aren't. Um, many of us aren't. Um, and, and I'd like to help on that. I, me as a veteran, it's just kind of hard to understand how some of the uh, non-veterans, I mean, they're, they're just as dedicated to this mission as any veteran I've ever seen. And mm -hmm. um, I appreciate that. Uh, it's harder for me to understand. And, um, but... Um, they're truly dedicated, whether it was somebody in their family they remembered, or they, they just understand. And uh, yeah, and that's a, it was a good feeling when you when uh, you see that, or 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 even um, experiencing it at all. So now, are there any uh, any events or anything going on right now that the Patriot Guard is involved with, or or perhaps in the future, if any any projects or anything the Patriot Guard might be working on? Well, I tell you, um, generally from the national level, we, again, we don't try to drive anything to the states because this is a very grassroots effort and we like to let the local leaderships you know, decide what they do and don't get involved in. Um, try not to push anything down from national. Uh, but we have, and, and it's on a as-it-can basis recently, we've, uh, we've uh, linked up with a group out of Texas um, uh, Football Express, and what they do is they uh, they take care of and provide events for uh, the children of, of fallen of KIA. And you know these kids are 
uh, have lost a parent. That's, that's probably one of the hardest things to see at a funeral. They do things like every year they do a, they do a Christmas thing where they partner with American Airlines and they fly all these kids uh, for free to Texas and they have a big big Christmas bash. And they do a couple other local things throughout the year. So Patriot Guard has taken up uh, uh, being at the airports uh, to greet the kids and help them find the right flight and uh, and in some cases, uh, one or two members may even be asked to go with them. That's it's kind of rare, but it, it has happened. Uh, but mainly at the, the various airports across the country, uh, show up there and uh, help the kids uh, uh, find a way. And we, we have found that these kids know who we are. Wow, that's good. Well, you guys had... And, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of touching, you know, because they remember us from jail. Hmm. Wow, yeah, that's that's uh, that's definitely touching on something like that. Um, now, in the past, has the when the Patriot Guard when when you guys first started out, did did you ever had to deal with any any kind of um, negative elements from like either the public or law enforcement people who who maybe at the beginning wasn't quite sure who you guys were and just may have stereotyped you as just a band of outlaw bikers or something. Have, has that ever occurred at, at, you know, since the founding of it? You know, uh, my sense is it has. My, my, my own, uh, my, I've been a member since early 2006, and uh, I was, uh, did different jobs for a ride captain to a district captain in Virginia to the state captain of Virginia and then to the national board. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, we've, uh, I know, when I was a ride captain, we used to we used to stress always go to the funeral home before. Mm-hmm. Again, we've been invited by the family. Tell them who you are. Talk to the local law, law enforcement. I don't really remember any bad things. Uh, we were at a funeral one time, and uh, I guess uh, a brother or sister had asked us to show up, and the rest of the family really didn't appreciate uh, <laughs> right. being there. And uh, right, and that was early on, and. But we do what the family wants. And the brother or sister came out and said, my mom's not so sure about this. And we were like, you know what? We don't want to cause any stress. Yeah. 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 Well, and, uh, yeah, I, I guess from time to time, that that's where, I mean, you know, they're, you know, over the years, bikers in general just have gotten such a bad rap through the media and the publicity and stuff. And for something like you guys are doing such a good thing and a positive thing. And, and for me being proud to, to, uh, get involved with you guys from time to time when whenever I get these um, notices. Most of the time for me, I I have a uh, five day, uh, forty hour week. So if I get a notice and it's like local and it's on a weekend, I'll be able to take it on. But a lot of times, it's I notice it's during during the week, you know, work week, and or it's you know, and being California as big as it is, a lot of times it's you know out of the way or something, but. But uh, but when I do go on, it it's it's a pretty good positive feeling. Yeah, yeah you touched on something. You know, you, you can't every make every mission, and as a member, or as a or even me, you know, I I never think I do enough missions. Uh, but um, so you do what you can. You know, if if you could do one or two a month, you know, there's a there's thousands of members in each state that everybody does that. You end up with what you what you need. Oh yeah. And, the families don't care. They're appreciative of who's there. Yeah. There's two of you or a hundred. They're mm-hmm. appreciative. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, especially, you know, in a situation like that. So, and uh, now, uh, speaking of the media, I understand you guys have, like, a film or, or a video that came out, uh, like a documentary about the Patriot Guard Riders. I assume it came out a couple years ago or something. Yeah, it did. You know, I, I have one right here at the house. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I wasn't uh, as pleased with the film. It does a good job telling the story, but it, it told a whole lot of the, the, the church group. And mm. I really didn't want to give them the press. So that's right. Awesome. But, it, but it, it, it does a good job of, of telling the, the founding of the group and describing what the mission is and, and the way the various people feel. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sounds good. Now, uh, for those who want to get involved with uh, the Patriot Guard Eater, if they're um, a family member who has has a, a fallen soldier or 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 homecoming or or uh, sending away, and they want to get involved or or they want to invite the Patriot Guard, or for those who want to be a Patriot Guard member themselves, uh, how do they go about and get in contact with um, the organization? Well, there's a couple of ways. The main way, the primary way is if you go to the www.patriotguard.org mm-hmm. and, uh, and there'll be a, there's, a, there's a big button there that says membership is free, join here. And what actually happens there is just one member. Uh, you put your information in, you get registered, and the state captain or whatever state you live in will get, a, will get an email telling you that, uh, telling him that he is a new member and this is the individual's uh, information. Sometimes that takes a few weeks but you can always go, each state has a section in there uh, on the website. You can go, you have a new member section, you can dive in there and say hi you know, to whoever state. But eventually you'll get a contact from the state captain. Uh, for a mission, there's a button also on the website on the that says uh, for a mission request. And you fill up, there's a kind of a blanket form there, you fill out a little bit of information, and then that goes to the state captain wherever you request. You'll get contacts about that pretty quick, usually within a few hours. Okay. Or if you know a PGO member, if you just say something to them, uh, you know, they'll talk to the, their Uncle Rod captain, uh, and, and uh, they'll get an email to that state or that state captain. And all of the leadership contacts are listed on the national website under the leadership contact button. You can send your state captain an email directly if you want. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. All right, well, I'm going to be um, posting it up here on, on uh, Radio Free Biker. We'll, we'll have a link for um, the Patriot Guard riders and a little information on this. So, and uh, yeah, sounds good, Robbie. And I uh, want to thank you again for coming on the show and, and talking to us and explaining to people what who the Patriot Guard is and, and what, what they do. So... Again, thanks for coming on Radio Free Biker. Well, thank you, Joe, and I appreciate the interest in Patriot Guard Riders and those you serve. Oh, my pleasure. I, that was that was Robbie Smart, uh, National President of uh, the Patriot Guard Riders. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking to uh, Todd Chamberlain or for a two-toll topic. So stand by.
fishing on our own golden pond. Hey, I love my biker baby. She loves her guitar picking pal. But I love my Harley mama. She loves her guitar picking pal. back here with uh, Todd Chamberlain for uh, Two Talk. Uh, how you doing, Todd? I'm doing good. Doing good. Good. So what do you got on the agenda for us today? Uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, just some basic uh, things you can look at at your bike, uh, preventive maintenance, uh, looking at probably either chain drives or belt drive systems, depending on what you're using. Um, <clears throat> I know most cruisers are, are a belt drive system. Um, there's not a whole lot to do with these bad boys. Typically after you put a new belt on or you get a new bike, after about 600 miles, the, the belts will take their stretch, their initial set is what I like to call it. Um, so at that point you would just readjust it up um, and just keep an eye on it for the rest of the life of the bike. Uh, now tensioning the belts is a little bit tricky. It's a little trickier than doing chains. A lot of manufacturers have different ways of doing it some actually do a, a measurement which is what is the easiest for most everybody um, as far as the deflection of the belt um, others use a, a sound rating called it your hertz meters that you have to run <clears throat> uh, belt tension is actually quite critical because if you run them too tight um, if you set it too tight it's very diff it's very hard on your wheel bearings and your your output shaft bearing because um, you have an extra load pulling against there now, your your basic thinking would be is you know after the bike gets hot that my belt's going to loosen up, but it, that is totally the opposite. The new Kevlar belts they all have like a Kevlar base in them. They don't stretch and they will hold their their size, you know after they take their initial set. And actually, they will get a lot tighter as the bike gets hotter. Now it's not the belt changing. What's happening are your sprockets are actually growing. Most of your rear sprockets are aluminum and your front driven sprockets are steel, well after you've ride the bike you know, through some heat, they do grow a little bit and your belt actually gets tighter. So setting it at cold is pretty critical. I like to run them a little bit on the looser side just so I don't stress my bearings out and my wheels and my, um, my output shaft. <clears throat> um, I have actually run a belt on a race bike before. <laughs> Um, and you have to start out really loose on that bike because the sprockets grow like crazy because uh, of the heat. So it's pretty critical to get it set. And um, if you're not comfortable doing it, you know, definitely any good dealership will be more than happy to give you a hand getting it set up that first time. Now, the other key thing that a lot of people don't realize is all those crazy belt guards and stuff that you see on the bottoms of your swing arms and on the tops. They're not just there to keep your toes and fingers and and dogs and cats out from your belt. What they're mainly there for is to actually keep rock and road debris 
from jumping onto your belt <clears throat> and running through your sprockets. And I have seen a lot of belts, if you take a good rock hit right in the center of the belt, of the width, typically they'll never rip. They will Ooh. always, you can, I've seen several belts with at least six or seven rocks punched through the center of them wow. that have run up over 60,000 miles. Um, cause you've got, you know, the tension is still good. Now, typically when you do blow a belt, you will take a rock hit on the very edge of the belt and then it just rips. It gives it a chance of a, of a path to rip the belt open. So if you're doing a lot of cruising and you go and customize your bike and take all those crazy belt guards off, you're probably going to start taking belts out pretty, pretty regular. Like, and like I said, it's not to keep stuff your fingers from going into the belt is to keep rocks from going into the belt. And, uh, if you let them, you know, rock around too much, it'll start to screw up the chrome that your, your sprockets have a hard chrome on them. Um, and it's not a beauty thing it's to keep it from wearing. <clears throat> and you can start going through that hard chrome and take out your sprockets and that starts getting really expensive. Uh, so it's a good idea if you're going to have a more of a touring bike to definitely keep your belt guards on and try to keep the belts clean. And it's nice to inspect, you know, once a month, um, just kind of roll your, you know, put a little mark on the belt and inspect all the teeth all the way through it. Roll it all the way through and see if you do have a rock starting to punch through. A lot of people won't even notice it yeah. for years. That's a good tip right um, there. Yeah. So inspecting your belts, you know, once a month, you know, it gives you a clue of, you know, A, are my belt guards working? Mm -hmm. uh, B, do I have any damage to my belt at this point? And where is it? And if it's in the center of the belt... You know, I've seen, like I say, rocks punch straight through the belts before, but if you got a little rip starting on the edge, go get a new belt. Just Don't like, even think twice about it. Just like on a piece of paper or something exactly. or right there, and that, mm -hmm. that's where you get ripping or yeah, a piece of fabric. just rips it, and you can, you know, you'll get 100 miles out on a weekend trip, and if you would have looked at your belt, you would have finished the weekend out, but uh, otherwise you're going to get towed home. And uh, the thing with the belts, you know, you blow a belt, it's not just that easy replacing. A lot of the Harleys, yeah. You know, your sporties are pretty easy to change. Um, you don't have to remove the swing arm or anything crazy. Mm -hmm. But you get on the bigger bikes, you know, the twin cams. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, it's a job. You yeah. know, a lot of times the swing arm has to come out. And it's something you're not going to do on the side of the road. No, so, right, right. You know, belt, a lot of people neglect their belts and don't even think about it. Um, but once you blow a first one off your bike on a Saturday ride, you're going to look at your belt probably about once a month to make sure it's okay. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. Good, good thing on, on yeah, that. Chains, uh, you know, unless you got a custom, you know, Harley, you're probably not going to have a chain drive on it. Um, but a lot of the Jap bikes have chain drives. Mm -hmm. All sport bikes have chain drives. And the theory behind those are, um, you know, there's less weight. We're, uh, as racers, we're a little more concerned about weight and we're always concerned about changing our gearing also on race bikes, um, mm. depending on track conditions and stuff. And with belts, basically most manufacturers, your Harleys, your Victories, everybody has about two set belts lengths mm -hmm. and cause belts are very hard to make. They, they don't roll them out. They're actually a very long tube that they actually cut, you know, mm. the one inch wide belt or whatever you have. Uh, so there's not a lot of different sizes of belts, so you don't really have a lot of options to change your gearing out. Uh, you can drop a tooth if you can find a sprocket to do that, but they're very expensive. Mm. You know, custom sprockets are really expensive. Mm. Uh, so with chains, <clears throat> the, the key thing to chains is keeping them very clean and very well lubricated. And um, I basically, myself, I clean my chains by using WD-40. 
and I put them up on a stand and I douse mm -hmm. them in WD-40 and clean them up really good and then I lube them and then lubing chains you do it from as you're rolling the wheel you do it from the inside you don't do it on the outside because centrifugal force as the chain's rolling is going to pull the lube all the way through the chain mm -hmm. so putting it on the outside is worthless and if you mm -hmm. don't clean the chain it's worthless too because you're just putting lube on top of gunk right so you're wasting money and you're not doing your chain any service right now adjusting chain tension is actually it's pretty simple um, you can look on most of the swing arms and they have a little measurement that you're supposed to do but at the end of the day the easiest way to do it is to try to sack out your suspension try to get somebody sitting on the back and you sit on the front and compress the suspension as far as you can and that's where the chain is going to be at its tightest point with a swing arm compressed mm -hmm. and reach down and feel it and it wants to be a not banjo tight, but a little bit tight when you're all the way sacked out like that. <clears throat> and now, once you do that once, get off the bike, get everybody off the bike, you'll see your chain is very loose as it's sitting there. I call it a curb. That's what nobody's sitting at the bike. That's kind of your curb measurements. And you'll see about how loose it is, and you can kind of gauge that from now on. You know, once you do this sack out that one time, figure out where your belt needs or your chain needs to be. It's very easy to do. And chains will basically take a stretch the first 600 to 1,000 miles when you put them on. And the life of chains, if you can get 15,000 miles out of a chain, you've done something pretty good. You've done your cleaning correctly, mm -hmm. and you've done your adjustments correctly. And typically, I see a lot of bikes, you know, eight to 10,000 is about the norm on chains that aren't really well taken care of. Um, but... If you just take care of it, they will last eight to 10,000 miles. You know, you get them up to 15. I've seen a lot of them go 15. And chains aren't that expensive. And, you know, you can always go up and down on sizes. Or I prefer my workhorse bikes. I always use steel sprockets. And I mm -hmm. use the heaviest, best chain I can get my hands on. Race bikes, we always use aluminum sprockets. They're a little bit lighter. And we're always changing the gearing out like that. So just always buy a good quality chain. Mm -hmm. You'll get... You can spend 50 bucks on a chain and replace it three times in the amount of time if you spend 150 bucks on a really good chain. Mm. That's always my advice. If you have the cash, get the best chain, the best tensile strength you can get your hands on. And actually, you'll save money in the long run right, by right. spending a little bit more up front. So I remember years ago when I had Triumph, and uh, I remember it used to be, I, I can't remember, it used to be like a one-inch roll or a two-inch roll on, on the, mm -hmm. the play of the chain. And as it's sitting at curb with nobody sitting right there. right and then um the alignment on the back wheels which um mm -hmm. you know now that's uh most manufacturers put little hash marks mm -hmm. on the on the either side of the swing arm to adjust your chain up now that's that's a good you can use those but i prefer to do at least once on my own personal bikes is i have a tool that measures the distance between your swing arm pivot and your axle Mm -hmm. and use I like to do that at least once to find out if those little marks are actually accurate because okay. the swing arm pivot to the center of the axle on both sides mm -hmm. is the exact measurement so I always use my tool at yeah. least once on my own personal bikes and a lot yeah. of my customer bikes I'll do the same thing just to see if that particular model of bike is accurate and once you got that set then take a look at your marks on the swing arm and just see if they're truly accurate or not because they're just casting marks. It doesn't mean they're going to be perfect. It's nice to do it 
perfectly with your centers, and then you know where your swing arm pivot, where your swing arm hash marks are, are lining up, if you can trust them or not, basically. Right, right. I know. Um, well, we have BMW's got the, the shaft drives mm -hmm. there. So I I don't know if, how much uh, other manufacturers are. Yeah, well, there's that. Beamer, uh, Triumph runs a shaft drive on their new Explorer, their big um, adventure bike. Um, Moto Guzzi has been using shafts for years. Mm. They're pretty decent. There's a lot more weight to your uh, shaft drive systems. And basically, so there's never any adjustments, uh, but you got to stay up on your final drive changes. I know BMWs, if you're on long trips on the GSs, on the, uh, on the boxer engines, you want to, you know, if it's hot weather, I have heard of, of guys losing their final drives on long trips. You, If you're going to be doing long trips, you really need to think about finding BMW shops along the way. Mm -hmm. And maybe halfway through your trip, if you're doing a four or 5,000 mile trip, maybe get your final drive changed out, your oil, because it deteriorates through all the heat. Mm -hmm. Now, there's no maintenance, you know, there's no servicing of these other than changing your final drive oil. But if you don't do that, it gets really expensive. Mm -hmm. um, the bearings and then all your all your gears. It's not like a chain and sprocket or a belt. Right. You got a lot of hard parts in there that let go when these things let go. So definitely you want to stay up on your final drive maintenance. It's usually a heavier, it's a gear oil, like a 90 weight that you run in final drives in the trannies on those bikes. Right. Well, sounds good. All righty. So, uh, all right. So let yeah, that's um, you know that's basically your your three different styles of uh, of your drive systems, and, and the good way to really figure out if you're not understanding what I'm talking about about <clears throat> when the bike's sitting at curb, and then when you're when it's laden, if you if you ever go you know make a point to go to a dealership and look at a motocross bike, they have basically ten to twelve inches of travel on the rear end, mm. and when you see them sitting on the showroom floor, you'll you'll look at the chain and go, man. I, that, that thing's loose it's going to fall out mm -hmm. sit on the bike or have somebody sit on that motocross bike and you'll see as the axle as your swing arm compresses the chain gets tighter and tighter and tighter it's just a geometry of right. how it comes up through and that's a really good way to understand what i'm talking about you don't see it quite so much on street bikes because most street bikes have about on the rear end about 125 millimeters of travel <clears throat> you mm -hmm. know compared to, well that's about was that four five inches of travel compared to a motocross bike that has 10 to 12 inches. So it's really exaggerated what I'm talking about as far as the chain tensioning. Um, so it's a good place to go and understand. And then you can always relate that over your belt drives too because it's always, you know, motorcycles are all basically the same. They got a couple coffee cans going up and down in there. Yeah. <laughs> and a drive system of some sort, but nothing is, is you know, really that much different from manufacturing to manufacturer. It's just different ways of doing stuff. All right. Sounds good. All right, well, uh, thanks for uh, giving us the light yeah, on that. And, yeah, no uh, problem. And, and any extra time you spend on your bike doing preventive maintenance is less time it's going to be in the shop and right. less money you're going to end up spending at the end of the day with your motorcycle. All right, yeah. Well, I know I definitely keep an eye on my belt downstairs, especially with all the riding I go in there. So that's mm -hmm. a top tick there. Um, so anyways, yeah. Well, that was uh, Todd Chamberlain with our Tool Talk today and uh, if you have any questions or maintenance issues you'll be able to uh, email to uh, Todd at RadioFreeBiker.com and he'll uh, do what he can to answer your uh, questions there. 
So, Sounds good. Thank all right. you. Until next show there. All righty. Perfect. So, um, all right. It'll be uh, take a, another quick break, and we'll be back with um, some uh, updates on uh, events coming up here. Stand by. The Charlie Brechtel band riding with the wind. All right, we're back here. I uh, just uh, gonna go ahead and uh, read off a few events that's coming up here uh, for April since we're already through halfway through March. So we're gonna come here on uh, April 5th. Uh, the Booze Fighters MC Bike Blessing is presented by the Booze Fighter MC Chapter number six. Got live music by Jimmy Paler Band, Poker Hand, High Low Raffle Ticket. Also featuring 50 50 plus raffle prizes. Bike Blessing will take place at 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. and it will be $10 per person. It starts at 10 a.m. at the American Legion on 100 East Street in Auburn, California. You can contact uh, telephone 916-817-0537 or you can go ahead to the boozefightersmc6.com for more information. Also on uh, April 5th, we have uh, the 24th Annual Bike Blessing presented by Francis Trujillo Benefits St. Helens Church in Fresno Rescue Mission. This will be taking place at 12 p.m. promptly, and so try to get there early. All donations are welcome for the Fresno Rescue Mission. It starts at 12 p.m. at 4870 East Belmont Avenue in Fresno, California. Phone number there is 559-213-2334. Or you can check out Francis Trujillo. That's T-R-U-J-I-L-L-O-883 at Hotmail.com. Also on the 5th, we have the 3rd Annual Alligator Roast presented by the Vietnam Vets Motorcycle Club and Delta Charter. Charter. Benefits Veterans Issues, Gator Roast with Cajun Music, Jambalaya, and Good People. 
starts at 9 a.m. at the Ironsteed Harley-Davidson 100 Auto Center Drive in Vacaville, California. So on April 12th, we have the Run for Kids presented by United Bikers of Northern California Shriners, Tehama, California. Benefits Shriners of Tehama, California Poker Run in Tehama County through the scenic Northern California. This will start at 10 a.m. at Adobe Road Chevron at 1860 North Main Street in Red Bluff, California. So, information, you can contact 530-585-2423. So, also, on April 13th, we have the Top Hatters 21st Annual Bike Blessing, presented by the Top Hatters of Hollister. Benefits San, benefits San Benito High School Scholarship Fund. Check-in at Whiskey Creek Saloon at 11 a.m. to 12 noon. All bikes welcome. Bike blessing at Sacred Heart at 12.30 p.m. And party afterwards at Bolado Park. This starts, it's $20, starts at 11 a.m. at Whiskey Creek Saloon, 201 5th Street, Hollister, California. Down in uh, Southern California, we have the April 2nd Wednesday Riding for Kids Charity Run. This is presented by Hog 93. This is uh, for uh, $30 per person. Get a t-shirt and ride pin. For pre-registration, $35 at the event. Sign-in is 6 a.m. at Buddy Stubbs, Arizona, Harley-Davidson, and North 13850 North Cave Creek Road in Phoenix, Arizona. Speaking of, we have uh, another event on 2 through the 6th. It's known as the Arizona Bike Week. Custom builders, bike shows, demo rides, vendors, and so on. This will be at Westworld of Scottsdale at 16601 North Pima Road, Scottsdale, Arizona. Down here in Southern California, we have on April 5th, the MMA Bike Show and Party. It's presented by the Modified Motorcycle Association. This will... Uh, Start at 10 a.m. at Sundowners MC SFV San Fernando Valley Clubhouse. That's 701 Callisher Street, San Fernando, California. On April 12th, we have the Desert Run, presented by the American Legion Riders, Chapter 853. Benefits Warrior Foundation, Freedom Station, Poker Run. This starts at 8 a.m. at the American Legion Post at 853 Borengo Springs at 415, I'm sorry, 451 Borengo Springs Road, Borengo Springs, California. You can contact 760-525-3756 for more details. And we make our way over to the Rockies here. We have the Motorcycle Act. Expo presented by Abate of Colorado. Motorcycle safety and awareness, bike shows, kids air, food, and more. Starts at 10 a.m. Town Center at 14200 East Alameda Avenue, Aurora, California. Phone number is 303-786-3264. And 
down in the uh, Lone Star State, we have uh, the Bikers Adult Rally. That's uh, going from Thursday, April 3rd to Sunday, April 6th. This will be at the taking place at 3086 FM 1395, Will Point, Texas. And for the Great Lakes region, we have uh, on Saturday, April 5th, uh, the Blessing of the Bikes in Effingham, Illinois. That goes on at 1315 Altoff Avenue. That's A-L-T-H-O-F-F -F Avenue. Uh, more information there, you can contact 217-234-6317 uh, or LegacyHD.com. And for Yen's Pittsburghers out there, we have on uh, Saturday, April 5th, the Periopolis Motorcycle Swap Meet. This will be the 23rd Annual Motorcycle Swap Meet, and it will be located at 3447 Pittsburgh Road, Periopolis. Contact phone number there is 724-309-1082. So um, it'll be a $6 cover charge, vendors 25 parts 35 all others. So and those down there in the Tar Heel State, we have uh, what's known as the Feed Our Children Poker Run, Bike Show and Rodeo. This goes on from Saturday, April 5th from 9.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Hosted by Victory Riders Motorcycle Ministry of FBCIT. Located at... 732 Indian Trail Fairview Motor Indian Trail North Carolina you can uh, check out the website triple dub victory riders mm.com for more information and finally for those down there in the Sunshine State in Florida we have the third annual Tampa Seafarers Center benefit motorcycle ride going on Saturday April 5th starting at 9 a.m. It's uh, $25 solar rider, $10 a passenger. Location will be at the Seafarers Center at 1912 Eastport Drive, Tampa, Florida. You can go to uh, triple dub tampaportministries.com and I'd say that'll about do it for this uh, month's show. So get out there and ride, but Ride safe.